Welcome to Ghostwriters Anonymous, an inspirational and interactive podcast where we create worlds through words and writing. I'm Kelsey, and today I'd like to know, if you were a cartoon, what cartoon would you be? I would be good idea, bad idea. Today I'm taking it back to Gaynet, the story of a pigeon by Don Gopal Mukherjee, which I've shared a few excerpts from on a few different episodes, and I'm specifically going to focus on Gond, the hunter, for this one. So the time period is World War One, and so Gond is in possession of Gaynet, and the two of them are on a recon mission together. About the first week of December, Gond and Gaynet were to go on a reconnaissance trip all by themselves. They were sent to a forest near Haysbrook, which was behind the enemy's line, to find out the exact location of an enormous underground ammunition dump. If found, Gond and the Pigeon, singly or together, were to return to the British Army headquarters with an exact map of the place. That was all. So one clear December morning, Gaynek was taken on an aeroplane. It flew about 20 miles over a forest, part of which was held by the Indian Army and the rest by the Germans. When they had gone behind the German line, Gaynek was released. He flew all over the woods. Then, having gained some knowledge of the nature of the land, he flew back home. This was done to make sure that Gaynek knew his route and had some inkling of what was expected of him. That afternoon, when the sun had gone down, which happened at about 4 o'clock at this latitude, 10 degrees north of New York, Gond, most warmly dressed, with Gaynek under his coat, started. They went on an ambulance as far as the second line of the Indian Army in the Great Forest. In utter darkness, they proceeded to the front, conducted by some members of the intelligence service. Soon they found themselves in what is called no man's land, but fortunately it was covered with trees, most of which had not yet been destroyed by shell fire. Gond, who did not know French or German and whose knowledge of English was confined to yes, no, and very well, was now left to find a German ammunition dump in a forest accompanied by only a pigeon fast asleep under his coat. First of all, he had to remind himself that he was in a country of the cold Himalayan climate where, during the winter, trees stood bare and the ground was covered with dry autumn leaves and frost. Since there was very little foliage on tree or sapling, concealment of himself proved not an easy task. The night was dark and as cold as a corpse, but since he could see in the dark better than any living man and because his sense of smell was as keen as the keenest of all animals, he knew how to steer his course in no man's land. Fortunately, that night, the wind was from the east. Edging his way between tree trunks, he pushed forward as fast as possible. His nose told him minutes before their arrival that a company of Germans was passing his way. Like a leopard, he crawled up a tree and waited. They never heard even the flicker of a sound. Had it been daylight, they would have found him, for his bare feet bled as he walked on the frost-stricken ground, leaving distinct marks behind. Once, he had a very close shave. As he went up a tree and sat on a branch to let a couple of German sentries pass below him, he heard someone whisper from a branch into his ear. He knew at once that it was a German sharpshooter, but he bent his head and listened. The German said, Guten Nacht, then stepped over and slid down the tree. No doubt he had taken Gond for one of his fellow soldiers who had come to relieve him. After a while, Gond descended to the ground and followed the footprint of that German. Dark though it was, his bare feet could feel where the ground had been worn down by the feet of man. No difficult task, that, for him. At last, he reached a place where a lot of men were bivouacking. He had to skirt around them softly, still pressing forward. He heard a strange noise right at his feet. He stopped and listened. No mistake, this was a familiar sound. 
He waited. The steps of an animal. Patter-pat-patterer. Gond moved towards the sound, and a suppressed growl ensued. Instead of fear, joy gripped his heart. He, who had spent nights at a time in the tiger-infested jungles of India, was not to be deterred by the growl of a wild dog. Soon enough, two red eyes greeted his vision. Gond sniffed the air before him carefully as he stood there, and lo, he could not detect there was the slightest odor of man about that dog. The creature had gone wild. The dog, too, was sniffing the air to find out what kind of being he was facing. For Gon did not exude the usual human odor of fear, and so the animal came forward and rubbed against him and sniffed vigorously. Fortunately, Gon carried Gaynek above the dog's nose, and the odor of the bird's presence was carried up by the wind, so the wild dog perceived in the man before him nothing but a friendly, fearless fellow. He wagged his tail and whined. Gond, instead of patting his head with his hand, slowly put it before the dog's eyes to see and smell. A moment of suspense followed. Was the dog going to bite the hand? Another moment passed. Then, the dog licked it. He now whined with pleasure. Gond said to himself, So this hunter's dog is without a master. Probably his master is dead. The poor beast has become as wild as a wolf. He lives by preying on the food of the German army, for it is evident he has not yet eaten any human flesh. So much the better. Gond whistled softly, the call of all hunters of all ages no matter in what country. It meant lead. And the dog led. He skirted all the bivouacs of the German soldiers as deftly as a stag slips by a tiger's den. After hours of wandering, they reached their destination. There was no mistake about it. Gond had found the very depot not only of munitions, but also of German food supplies. His leader, the wild dog, went through a secret hole in the ground, then, after half an hour, emerged with a large leg of veal between his jaws. That it was bovine meat, Gond could tell by its odor. The dog sat down to his dinner on the frosty ground while the man put on his boots, which he had carried slung over his shoulder all night long, and then looked up and took observations. By the position of the stars, he could tell where he was. He waited there some time. Slowly, the day began to break. He took a compass from his pocket. Yes, he felt quite sure that he could draw a map of the place. Just then, the dog jumped up and grabbed Gon's coat with his teeth. There was no doubt in the man's mind that the dog wanted to lead him on again. He ran ahead, and Gon followed as fast. Soon they reached a spot so thickly covered with thorns and frozen vines that passage through it was possible only for an animal. The dog crawled under a lot of sharp thorns and disappeared. Now Gon drew a diagram showing the position of the stars and the exact position of his compass and tied both to Gaynek's foot and let him go. He watched the pigeon fly from tree to tree, resting on each for a minute or so and preening his wings. Then he struck the message tied to his foot with his beak. Probably he was making sure that it was securely tied. Flew up to the top of the tallest tree and sat there examining the lay of the land. That moment, Gond, who was looking up, felt something pull him. He looked down at his feet. The dog was dragging him to a hole under the thorns. Gond bent low, low enough to follow his mentor's direction. But at that moment, he heard the flutter of wings overhead, then the barking of rifles. He had no desire to get up and investigate whether Gaynek had been killed or not. He crawled down under the thorns till he felt as if his stomach were glued against his backbone, and both sewed tightly to the ground. He pushed and crawled till suddenly he slid down, falling about eight feet into a dark hole. It was pitch dark, but Gond hardly noticed that at first, for he was occupied in rubbing his bruised head. 
When finally he tried to discover where he was, he made out that he must be sitting on a frozen waterhole covered like a thieves' den by impenetrable thorn bushes. Even in winter, when no leaf clad the branches and vines overhead, the darkness in daytime was thick there. The dog was still with him and had evidently dragged him there to safety. The poor beast was so happy to have a friend with him that he wanted to play by the hour with Gond, but the latter, being sleepy, dozed off into a perfect slumber in spite of the noise of the guns not very far away. After about three hours, the dog suddenly whined and then yelled as if he were stricken with madness, after which the earth rocked under terrific sounds of explosion. Unable to bear it, the animal kept tugging the sleeve of Gon's coat. The detonations rose crescendo upon crescendo to the place where Gon lay literally swayed like a cradle, but he would not leave his hiding. All he said to himself was, O Gainek, thou incomparable bird, how well thou hast done thy task. Already thou hast borne the message to the cherry-faced chief, and this is his thunderous reply. O oh, thou pearl among winged creatures! So on he mumbled while the bombs dropped by aeroplanes ignited the German munitions dump. Then the dog, who had been trying to pull him away by the sleeve of his coat, whined and shivered like one in high fever. And that instant, something sizzled through the air and fell nearby with a thud. With a desperate yell, the poor dog dashed out of his hiding place. Gone followed, but too late. For hardly had he crept halfway under the thorns when an ear-splitting explosion seemed to cut the ground from under him and a violent pain pierced his shoulder. He felt borne up by some demoniac power and flung to the ground with great force. Scarlet diamonds of light danced before his eyes for a few moments, followed by quenching darkness. An hour later, when he regained consciousness, the first thing that he became aware of was a sound of Hindustani voices. In order to hear his native language more distinctly, he tried to raise his head. That instant, he felt a shooting pain like the sting of a thousand cobras. There was no doubt in his mind now that he had been hit and probably mortally wounded. All the same, his soul rejoiced every time he heard Hindustani spoken near him, for that meant that Indian troops and not the enemy were in possession of the forest now. Ah, he said to himself, my task is accomplished. I can die in peace. As it turns out, Gond does not die. As for Gainek, he does deliver the message of where the enemy's munitions dump is. However, Gainek is under heavy gunfire and his leg is shot and broken at the groin. So it's dangling below him, encased in loose flesh, along with the note. It happens to be the leg that is carrying the note. And the poor guy is scared to death and he's just going. And we've been here before with Gainek, who has had a few traumatizing experiences with a baz, with a hawk, and it made him afraid of flying. So he had to be taken to the Lamasary to be healed of his fear. Well, now he simply will not fly at all after this mission. He's examined by doctors, his leg is fully healed at this point, his bones are good, his wings are good, he's learned that it's dangerous to fly, and so therefore he refuses. So Gond is in the hospital, he's healing up, and the author goes to visit him there. And that's where Gond tells him what happened and about the dog. That dog, Gond took up the story, must have lost his French master early in the war. Probably the Germans had shot the man, and after that, when he saw his master's home looted and the barn set on fire, he went wild with terror and ran away into the woods where he lived hidden from the sight of men under the thick thorn bush as spacious as a hut and as dark as the interior of a tomb. 
Probably he ventured out only at night in quest of food, and being a hunting dog by heredity, all his savage qualities returned as he spent day after day and night after night in the woods like an outlaw. When he came across me, he was surprised because I was not afraid. I gave no odor of fear. I must have been the first man in months whose fear did not frighten him to attack. Of course, he thought that, like himself, I too was hungry and was looking for food. So he led me to the German food depot, and through an underground passage, he crawled into a vast provision chamber, a very gold mine of food, and fetched some meat for me. I drew the conclusion that there were a series of underground chambers in which the Germans kept not only food, but also oil and explosives, and I acted accordingly. Thank the gods it turned out to be correct. Let us change the subject. To tell you the truth, I hate to talk about the war. Look, the sunset is lighting the peaks of the Himalayas. The Everest burns like a crucible of gold. Let us pray. Lead me from the unreal to the real, from darkness into light, from sound into silence. After meditation was over, Gon silently walked out of our house to begin a journey from Calcutta to the Lamasery near Singalila. The last part of February 1915, it became quite clear to the Bengal regiment that Gaynek would fly no more. Gond, who had brought him, was no soldier. With the exception of a tiger or a leopard, he had never killed anything in his life. And now that he was too sick, they were both invalided back to India together. They reached Calcutta in March, and I could not believe my eyes when I saw them. Gond looked as frightened as Gaynek, and both of them appeared very sick. Gond, after he had delivered my pigeon to me, explained a few matters. I need to be healed of fear and hate. I saw too much killing of man by man. I was invalided home for I am sick with a fell disease, sickness of fear, and I must go alone to nature to be cured of my ill. So he went up to Singalila to the Lamasery, there to be healed by prayer and meditation. Meanwhile, the author is trying to heal Gaynek of his own trauma, which isn't going well. And so finally, Gond sends him a letter and says, I've made progress. I feel that I have been healed. Now what you need to do is, since your bird is getting ready to nest, destroy the eggs because he should not be siring children in this state. So the author did. He destroyed Gaynek's eggs. And so he took Gaynek to the Lamasery under Gon's instruction to heal him from there. I believe this is the third time he's been to the Lamasery and he's cured again. He flies. So it's interesting that Gond is a hunter, but he's only killed these big cat predators. He serves as more of a jungle guide. He's very in tune with nature. He knows his environment very well. He has excellent survival skills. He understands animals. At the very end of the book, Gond is actually sent by the llamas to kill a wild buffalo that keeps harassing and killing villagers. The llama almost has a sort of premonition about what's going to happen because Gon says, I'd rather try to heal the animal of its anger than kill it. And the llama says, I already know the ending and you're going to kill it, which is exactly what happens. And the reason this wild buffalo is doing this, it's a chain reaction. The llama describes it as the villagers have the same affliction of fear as Gaynek and Gond do. And so when all the wild beasts have migrated north, surrounding their village, they're afraid. And so they've started killing these things. And so witnessing these killings of, I'm assuming it's brethren, the wild buffalo goes mad. He's seen patterned behavior that man equals death, therefore kill or be killed. And so he chooses to kill. 
I think Gond has a soft spot for that because he sees that in himself and wants to grant this animal the same opportunity that he was given because when he left the war, he too was angry. The author actually helps him track the animal down and what he's supposed to do is put a lasso around the animal and tie him to a tree, but he misses and so it angers the animal and Gon's already on the ground with him, which puts him in danger. He's being charged and so Gon has to slay the buffalo. I was pretty emotional when I read this book because I have such a soft spot, but there's a very good balance of heartbreak and joy. The very last line in the book is peace be unto all, which is the entire theme of the book. But that's a wrap on Gainek, for now at least. We'll catch you guys next week.